The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. So welcome to the Women's Football Podcast. I'm Luke Edwards and the podcast is in a partnership with Her Game 2. Joining me is the editor of FAWSL Full-Time Magazine is Dan Pentland. Hi, Dan. Hi, Luke. You okay? Very well, thank you. And making a debut, it's Women's Football Reporter for Reach PLC. And you can see her stuff in the mirror as well. It's Hannah Pinnock. Hello, Hannah. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, and making your debut on the podcast as well. So looking forward to it. We've got loads to chat about. Drama aplenty. Uh, it was a massive weekend across the WSL. But before we get to that, last Wednesday, saw Arsenal and Chelsea both in action. I'll bring you up to date before the weekend's action. So it was a comfortable win for Arsenal. They travelled to Merseyside where they faced Everton and he blew them away with four first-half goals. It took half an hour for the Gunners to break the deadlock, but once they did, the floodgates opened. It was Caitlin Ford and Katie McCabe who scored two in quick succession before Ford got her second and Lottie Wubber-Moy added a fourth on a stroke of half-time. Everton had Chelsea Loney, Agabiva Jones sent off just after half-time and they did get a consolation to Katia Schnoyles late on. Um... Dan, it was a comfortable win in the end for Arsenal, but the injuries mount up. Leah Walty was stretched off in that incident that saw Beaver Jones red carded. Beaver Jones left the pitch in tears. So it was impressive stuff by Arsenal that they're able to overcome those uh, those setbacks and keep putting in those performances. Yeah, good result. They needed to win. Um, I think Leah Walty's injury isn't too bad, which is good news. Yeah, it's had six uh, weeks, I think, now, haven't they? So Yeah, she should be fit for the World Cup, I think. So that you know, a little bit of good news there. I know she won't play again this season, but you know, it could be worse. Um so yeah, it was workmanlike, I suppose, from Arsenal Everton. They're just struggling with those top sides, and I think they just need a, a good transfer window to, you know, bring in a bit more quality and go up another level. But yeah, Arsenal just needed to beat what was in front of them that night and and they certainly did that. Yeah, you talk about Everton, the season's petering out a little bit and, and they're quite open. Brian Sorensen was asked on Sky Sports after the game if he was willing to change his style of play and he basically said, no way, we had 55% possession in the first half. We just need to learn to be switched on in those transition moments and I still believe the way forward is to build an identity and a playing style. Can you, can you see it then bearing fruit in the long run for Everton, Dan? Yeah, you never change your style, to be fair. I don't go against your principles, so I can see where he's coming from there, but... I think they just need more players. I think it's obviously a process. Top half this year is probably not a, you know, not a bad season for them. Um, you know, they maybe lack, lack that kind of prolific number nine that the likes of Villa have got. Maybe, um, you know, and maybe they need to be a little bit more solid at the back. But yeah, I think they're moving in the right direction. Obviously, it's been hard to be consistent every single game this season, but. Um, you know, hopefully the club keep backing him and, you know, over the summer, I'm sure, I think they've signed players already behind the scenes and just not, you know, not announced anybody yet. But yeah, you know, hopefully they'll keep growing next year. Yeah, Chelsea did no hangover either for an FA Cup win at Wembley as they scored four away at West Ham. Neve Charles had them ahead at half-time and then Chelsea put the foot on the accelerator after the break with goals from Peniel Harder, Sophie Ingle and Aaron Cuthbert. Uh, it was no Sam Kerr on the score sheet and there was no problem for Chelsea. Uh, Paul Koncheski said during the week, Hannah, that he didn't feel the gap was that big, but let's be honest, at the minute, between the top four and the rest of them, it is, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's that's glaringly obvious. I mean, the only team that's really come close to that this season is Villa, um, but even then, they're still a little way off and probably still have a lot of work to do. I mean, the top four are, are the top four for a reason, and that's long-sustained progress and success ultimately and um I don't quite agree with what Paul Kontreski said there that I, I I do think the gap is still quite big um I think until we really actually see another team properly break into that then then maybe that's a discussion to be had but I mean by Sunday's result against Leicester West Ham have had a pretty pretty horrid second half to the season really I think other than that they're only other win this calendar year was against Wolves in the FA Cup back in January. So, um, but slightly back on track by beating Leicester, but at the same time, I I do think West Ham is some, some way off that, that top four. 
Yeah, talking of Chelsea, there's been loads of transfer activity around Chelsea over the past week. Uh, Chess, who's one of our regular hosts, she'd be loving it. Uh, they brought in Sioiki Nuskin, I think that's how you say it. She's from Antrap Frankfurt and uh, highly rated. Emma Hayes says she's been after her for the last three years. Katerina Macario and Ashley Lawrence from Leon and PSG have also been linked with Chelsea. And they're, they're going to say goodbye to Peniel Harder and Magda Eriksson in the summer as well. They both released their farewell videos on Twitter. Uh, an emotional week for them. Looks like they could both be off to Bayern. I'm sure you'll know more than me. I don't know if that's been confirmed yet. But it's, it seems to be all systems go at Chelsea at the minute in terms of transfer talk, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think... You know, two out, obviously, I think Harder's a huge miss. She's been playing really well towards the end of the season. Magda, it's maybe her time without being critical at all. But, yeah, again, she's been a great servant. But, yeah, Harder's a real miss. But, you know, in terms of coming incomings, I think the, the girl they've just signed, I think they've been tracking her for three years, which, you know, obviously, you know, they've been happy with how she's progressed. A couple more might be coming in. And I think Emma Hayes was saying the other day that they've done the business quite early. Um, Don't forget they've got the girl... Is she Japanese forward from memory? Um, playing out in Sweden on yeah. I think minute. Yeah, she she's gonna come back. I think she's only 18, 19 years old, but you know, she's got a really big future, you know, if not next season, the season after. So yeah, the it feels like they maybe lack lack a little bit of depth um or additional quality Chelsea at times. Um I know that's ridiculous when you know it looks like they're gonna be champions again, but um yeah, it could be really really interesting next year you know based on who they might sign and say about you know fair play to Chelsea seem to be getting all their their business done quite early and and sort of you know even with the likes of Magda and Pinnell announcing they're leaving it's sort of getting all that done at the earliest opportunity and, and that sort of means come pre-season that they're in a solid enough position to start building straight away and you know that it's solid business and probably one of the main reasons why Chelsea are where they are in, in terms of the way that they operate. The weekend started off on Saturday with a battle for survival in, in a game that you were at, Dan. Uh, it was a double header at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. The men's team lost in a lunchtime kickoff, but the ladies fared much better as they secured survival with a 4 1 win over Reading. It was Beth England who else who opened the scoring. Shaleen Beze finished off a fine team move to add a second before England scored a second and Kit Graham added a fourth. Justin Van Hyvermark got a consolation for Reading whose survival all depended on if Leicester could get a victory against West Ham. We'll tell you about that later on if that happened. But Spurs, as I said, secured their own safety with that victory. And Dan, you were there and anyone who stayed for the men's game would have been cheered up by that performance from Vicky Jepsen's side, wouldn't they? Yeah, really good. Efficient. They took the chances. Um, Beth England, obviously, we know is already paying back a lot of that transfer fee. Um, you know, phenomenal what she's done the second half of the season. So it certainly boards well for next year. Nice score for Kit Graham as well after a long-term injury. So that was good. Um, Spurs never ever look like anything other than winning the game um, and that's what disappoints me about Reading because I think when you're in their situation you have to show some fight and great backs to the wall and there was just none of that for the first hour um, so you know we've, you know, when you're fighting for your, your futures for the club you've got to show more than what they show and we've got to you know I think Kelly criticised a little bit in the, the post-match as well but you know, you've got to show something and they didn't. And, you know, once Spurs got that first goal, that was it. They were away. So, you know, Reading have obviously will come on to it, but, you know, they've obviously got that chance of still staying up. And, you know, they've got to take some confidence from that and show something this weekend against Chelsea. It was good to see that someone stay behind as well from the men's game. Um, in terms of Spurs as women's team, though, it still feels quite new to some fans that they've actually got a women's team. And, and this second game at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in terms of attendance was a lot better than the first game that they had there, wasn't it? I was quite I was quite surprised, actually, because, you know, when the men's team go and get beaten in the manner that they did, you wonder how many are going to stay. And, you know, four sides of the stadium were, were quite decently filled, really. So, you know, I, I said to, Jeff, uh, to Vicky after the game, you know, those fans going away, the last failing this season for many of them will be the 4-1 win. Um, so, you know, it bodes well for the growth down at Leighton Orient next year. Hopefully, they'll play some more games at Hotspur Stadium as well. Um, you know, 
I suppose they haven't been around the Super League for that long, have they? I think they came up United's year when they won the championship. So, you know, there's still a long way to go. They're going to have to reinvest again this year. But, um, you know, the, the crowds are going up. It's just maybe a little bit gradual. On Sunday lunchtime, Chelsea had one hand on the trophy. They were dominant in the first half against Arsenal and they led at half-time through go right and, and Magda Eriksson, which was quite appropriate after the announcement of her leaving. The second half, Arsenal really came into it and missed several chances, including a penalty missed by Katie McCabe, where she failed to even hit the target. The win meant Chelsea would have to wait and see how Manchester United did in the derby, where a failure to win would see Chelsea retain the title. And Hannah, the, the Chelsea winning machine just goes on, doesn't it? They are absolutely relentless, but, you know, so are Man United at the moment. It's been absolutely exhilarating to watch these last sort of few months and it's quite nice actually that it goes right to the wire you know obviously Chelsea could have been crown champions last night if you know I think going into stoppage time and or really late on and United were level and you know I wouldn't be surprised if all of the Chelsea squad was sort of watching that waiting hoping that that they were about to be crown champions but lo and behold Lucy Garcia steps up and and gets that last minute winner for United and, and it does go to the final day, which is what I think the, the WSL deserves really after, you know, such a fantastic season and exciting season at both ends of the table, really. So it's it's brilliant to see. And, and who knows, maybe depending on what happens, Chelsea could see their sort of dominance come to an end. But, you know, they're well positioned and in the final day, obviously got a relatively quite straightforward game against Reading you would say so you know probably will go in their favour but it does go to the final day and obviously that that Arsenal game was I was listening to it on the radio and I when I switched it on it was I think Katie McKay was about to take a penalty and obviously then she missed it and when that was given you're sort of thinking oh here we go like you know Arsenal might have a comeback on here and and suddenly it gets a lot more interesting but Chelsea see it out, get the job done, and and that's pretty much sums up what the Emma Hayes' team is always about, getting it over the line, no matter what. Do you think then, Hannah, that Arsenal will be kicking themselves a little bit because certainly second half they created a lot of a lot of chances, certainly to get at least a draw out of it, maybe even more. They had Chelsea pen back, they just didn't take the chances. Yeah, I mean, I don't know quite how disappointed Arsenal would be. Obviously, you never like losing to your local rivals. That's a given. But I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Manchester City can't qualify for Europe now. So I think given the injuries that Arsenal have had and just how difficult this season I think has been to navigate for them. I think for Arsenal to to be in that position, obviously they probably would have liked to be a little bit closer potentially to the title and maybe getting something on Chelsea might have sort of boosted that a little bit but I just think given the vast amount of injuries they've had this season I think that was always going to be a little bit of a stretch and even up against you know Chelsea yesterday with a bit of a depleted team in itself I think again it was a tall order so I think on the face of it they'll probably be relatively okay with with how the rest of the season's gone given the circumstances. Yeah, and Dan, you feel that if Arsenal can stay injury-free next season, that they've got enough about them that they could they could really push Chelsea as well next year? It's a tough one because, you know, when you've got... I mean, Beth Mead should be back starting next year, you would have thought, but you're probably still going to have Viv out. Lee is going to be out for a fair, a fair whack, I would have thought, next year. Um, so it probably comes down to budget, to be honest, because obviously you're going to need some quality players in there to cover the absences, but... I suppose, you know, those players are going to come back at some point. So it's how you balance the budget, how, you know, what what the budget will stretch to in terms of bringing new players in. And, um, yeah, I think, they'll you know, again, playing in the Champions League next year, they probably are going to need more depth in the squad. Um, you know, ACL injuries as well, with that many about at the minute, the, you know, clubs probably need bigger squads than they've ever had before. So, yeah, I think if they get the squad depth right, if they cover the player absences as best they can, um, then yeah, why not? Um, you know, I, I think certainly attacking wise, they probably need to take off some of the reliance. I think on Steena Blackstenius and freedom Arnhem a little bit, but um, yeah, a good summer transfer window, and there's no reason why they won't hit the ground running. 
So switching from lunchtime to tea time, and Manchester United had to win to take the title to the final day. And it was the Manchester derby, so not an easy task at all. As City still had third to play for with, with that Arsenal defeat. And United got to a fine start with Hayley Ladd curling in an opener in just the third minute. And United were really relentless first half. I was at this game. Uh, the atmosphere was, was really, really good as well. City were holding on for the majority of the first half. And it went, for bad for, went from bad to worse for City when goalkeeper Ellie Roebuck was dismissed for bringing down the key to Paris as she was played through. And despite being down to 10, it was City who played the better second half. Esme Morgan hit the bar before Angela Philip-Dahl equalised her cross, leaped over Mary Earps. Earps had to then save from Bunny Shaw's header, but as Hannah mentioned earlier, Lucia Garcia popped up in stoppage time. It was the first minute of six added minutes to send the 7,600-plus crowd wild. It was another record crowd for the league game at Lee. And afterwards... A pretty drained Mark Skinner spoke to us in the press pack. Can you sum up the mood in the dressing room after that win? I ain't been in. I, I don't know. I don't go into the dressing room after after the game. But the collective of the spirit of the team, um, you know, it's the first time we've we've painted painted Manchester red. So for us to beat Manchester City in front of all these fans, it was more. It's, it's like there's moments, of course, they were down to ten players, and I thought they were excellent second half. But it was more about the moment and it was about building an experience. And that's what we've tried to do this year. We need, we've got experiences last year, not all nice ones. But, but we have something special here, which is a belief that you can win the game at any point. And that, if you're as a coach, or other, co- other teams have tried to be, I've tried to instill that, but it, it takes experience to do that. And we've got that this year. And it's, it's not all been positive, but we build and we move. And that's, so they deserve to be happy tonight. And... Still one massive push, one more huge game and give everything in that and they can go away happy in the summer. How important is it that you've taken the WSL to the last weekend? I mean, how is it important for you guys as well? <laughs> like, it, it make, no, but it makes it more interesting to write about and, and the narrative changes and we, we, we're growing this game. But like, we're playing a huge part, Manchester United, in the growth of the women's game too. Like, the, the, the fans tonight, it felt amazing tonight. Like... I walked around here for the first time. I allowed myself a second where I just went, don't clap because my arms are hurting and aching, but actually just listen. And to feel the energy around the stadium, it's, it's, oh, it's, it's the best. It, it's, I don't usually let my guard down in my emotions, but tonight was special. And, and like, if we can keep producing that and give them European nights, we have a long way to go still. Like, we, will, we will be a real front runner in this game for many years to come. You look quite angry when you scored the goal. Yeah, we, we didn't play very well in the second half. We allowed Manchester City, so we've got to be braver with the ball. Like Manchester City are going to come full throttle, lock us to one side of the pitch so that we can't play to the opposite side spare player. We've got to be, we've got to be more streetwise in those moments. And there was a frustration from us because when we've played and we allow that 1v1, if we move again, it opens a gap. She can't do two jobs. But if we switch off and be lazy, which there were in moments, which I'm going to assess tomorrow and speak to players, then... That, that's what's driven us so this year. Don't accept laziness, don't accept anything that's sub, substandard. And so, yeah, I have every right because we should, we should be, they shouldn't have got back into the game, in my opinion. We allowed them. Um, Mark Skinner, Hannah, does get criticised for his subs sometimes. And when he took Alessia Russo off at 1-0 and then City equalised straight after, you're thinking... Oh, Twitter could be going into a meltdown here. But the person he brought on for Russo was Lucia Garcia. And all of a sudden, he looks like a genius. Yeah, I mean, I think there was an element of that. Even taking the key to Paris off as well. I thought, you know, based on what I was hearing on the radio and what I was seeing on social media, because I I was driving back from Leicester, so I had to listen to it, unfortunately, instead of watch it. But it seemed like Nikita Paris was having one of her best games in a United shirt. I think she was causing City all kinds of problems, obviously. Won the challenge that ultimately got Eddie Roebuck sent off as, as well. So um, in a sense, you're probably thinking you're taking Russo off in one of your biggest goal threats. Paris is having the game of her life, but who are we to question Mark Skinner? Because like you said, he, he got it spot on and his substitutes did make a difference. Obviously, I think City had a much better second half despite being down to 10 and you kind of feel like at that point changes probably did need to be made 
um, and and it paid off in in the best possible way. Yeah, I mean the atmosphere is crazy as well. Mark Skinner said that he just had to kind of take a moment and stop and and, and take it all in, and uh, they'll be behind them all the way. They travel to Liverpool next week. They're rivals, of course. Another big game for them down at Prenton Park. Liverpool have nothing really to play for. Um, Chelsea, as we mentioned, go to Reading. So we'll look at those games shortly. But if nothing else, it means Champions League football secured for the first time in their history as as the women's team, of course. And finishing seconds means that they'll go straight into the group stages. So it's a really good achievement, isn't it, Dan, um, for Mark Skinner? Who, as we said, has received a lot of criticism, but he he just quietly gets about it, uh, gets on with his business, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, first point, I think it'll only be the winners who go in the group stage this year. I think that, and I think that depends on Barcelona winning the the Champions League as well. But I, ah, think, okay. I think without getting into the mechanics of it, I think they might go in the second qualifying round possibly. But don't quote me on that. Champions There's a lot of chatter around, but I think people are trying to work yeah, it all out. Going, did yeah. he? Did he? You know, so yeah, it's pen and paper stuff. But um, yeah, Mark's done a good job. Um, you know, look at where they were last year. They've been in the first cup final. They've obviously took the titles out in the final day. Get some, you know, sometimes some pretty ridiculous stick. To be honest, um, you know, he can only work what he's what he's got to work with, and he's brought some decent signings in. Um, you know, substitution wise, probably next year he probably needs a bit more quality and more players pushing for the starting eleven than what he's had this year. Um, but you know that again, it's another step forward. You can't complain when your club's moving further and further forwards. Um, so yeah, he's had a great year. Again, he's going to have to bring more depth in, particularly if they're playing in another competition next year. Um, but yeah, he deserves a, a big pat on the back. I think. Yeah, I suppose the caveat for that though is that um, they'll be one a more attractive proposition, and two, the money they'll get from being in the Champions League will obviously help go towards that budget. As well, a team that have missed out on the Champions League, as we mentioned, it looks like it, it's pretty impossible for them, for them to get in it now. Is Manchester City and, and Gareth Taylor told the press afterwards that Rudy side slow start and the red card fairly roadbook. Sustained pressure, attempts at their goal. I think I remember Mary making a save at the back that comes off the post. Um, so I felt like at that point we were the team in the ascendancy, and then obviously we get the um, the red card which as a coach you never want to see that happen within a game because I was speaking to Mark about it afterwards and it kind of ruins the spectacle a little bit yet although the second half I'm sure people would say was very exciting but I felt it was a bit harsh if I'm honest when I first saw it I thought well it wasn't high it was low the way obviously Nikita rolled which I'm not um, having a go at her way she rolled because naturally she was caught on the foot and she put so much effort into the run but I felt it was really harsh. I think it was harsh. And there's a covering defender, a new Harvey there as well. So, yellow, orange card, that type of one I thought it was. Um, but again, that obviously we had to change things, but we wanted to stay on the front foot. And um, got the players in at half-time and spoke about a few things. And felt like we were the team that came out. And before Philippa scored, I felt like we were the team that were looking like we were going to score. And then after that, I felt like we were still the team on top towards the end of the game. I felt we had some uh, some good chances, Haley at the back. I remember Bunny getting a chance just before they score as well. And I'm not sure what period it came in because there were two penalty shots, but the one on Bunny Shaw is a stonewall penalty. I don't understand how, between the officials, that they can't call that one. I don't even think you need the AI. You don't need, it's just so clear that she's got to the ball first and been taken out. And you hit it with about twice across the throw. Yeah. Barring like a mathematical improbability, it looks like Europe's gone now. So, what's the mood like in there? How pressed one another? Oh, frustrating because you know we we knew we had an opportunity with Arsenal losing earlier, and we knew we had an opportunity having to win the game tonight, or certainly you know try and take as many points out of the last two games as we can. Um, so yeah, it's disappointing. But look, I've spoken to the players; it's life, and we move on and we get a setback in the first half, and we deal with that setback by coming out and being really positive in our play, thought the players were outstanding, the effort that they gave, and um, sometimes you just don't get the rubber the green, and we did get that tonight, whether it be from the officials or, or certainly from the chances we created again. So, where, where's your money on then, Hannah and Dan? Man United travelled to Liverpool, as we mentioned, Chelsea travelled to Reading, I know you're going to that game, Hannah, aren't you? Reading after winter stay up, Kelly Chambers reading her comments was almost, it, it felt like 
I mean, and, and I'm sure you spoke to Kelly Chambers as well, Dan, so you can both comment on this, but it felt like it was a bit defeatist in, in her comments. She was going, well, it's top versus bottom, the table doesn't lie. It almost felt like Reading have upsetted the fate already. Yeah, I think I think it was after the, the Villa defeat, really, because I was at, at the game that they lost to Villa, and that was a pretty heavy one. Um, and Kelly Chambers, after that, was in the dressing room for a very, very long time post-match to the point where there wasn't any post-match interviews. They ended up doing a press conference a couple of days later for for the journalists that were there. So I think it was probably at that moment, Reading, I don't, I don't want to say accepted it because at that point it, it's, it, it, it hasn't been decided and it's not been decided, which is why I suppose, you know, the, the Tottenham game is even more probably disappointing from their perspective because as Dan mentioned you know not showing enough fight and it's just like Leicester's game at West Ham was no guarantee um and ultimately that that turned out to be the case and if if they'd have actually got something against Tottenham or, or potentially even beaten Spurs then you know it, it could be Leicester looking the more likely to go down so it was by no means dead and buried um so I think it's disappointing from that perspective that that it has kind of been that narrative in the last couple of weeks where they've almost accepted it's too big of a mountain to climb. Um, I know Kelly spoke a lot about the financial side of it and the fact that given that they're not backed by a big Premier League team, I think teams like that are finding it a little bit harder to keep up. Um, and if they ha- if they don't get relegated this season, then, you know, it, she kind of mentioned that it probably would have been the same battle next season, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, it's it's disappointing um, from Reading's perspective in that regard. But um, it's difficult to see them getting anything against Chelsea. But if they do, it's like it's well they're at home and it's the prospect of staying up. So mm. they they need to show a lot more fight. They actually beat Chelsea last year at the at the Majeski, didn't they? Even away from home this year, though, they they almost produced a little bit of a comeback against Chelsea, so it's possible. But it's just whether or not confidence is shot enough that that they they, they won't have much else to give. So are, are we saying then that? But you think both teams will win, and ultimately it's Chelsea who win the title. Um, to be fair, Liverpool are in pretty good form themselves so I, I wouldn't you know I, I feel like United definitely have the tougher tougher test on the final day obviously it was only recently Liverpool got something against Manchester City and you know very nearly caused a bit of an upset against Chelsea so you know in that respect United probably have the tougher game but with a potential title on the line I, I do expect both teams to probably win. Dan, what do you think? Are you uh, you going for both teams winning? No, nah, I'm going to put my neck on the line. <laughs> um, no, I think Liverpool will get something. Whether really? that's a draw or a win, I think Liverpool will get something. They're playing really well at home. Great result yesterday at Villa. Um, so yeah, I think I, I think there'll be a tough, tough game for United. They probably couldn't ask for much tougher last day of the season. So. Yeah, it, obviously local rivals as well. I'm sure after that, what was it six 0 away as well that Liverpool want to make amends for that. Um, the other game, it's not impossible, but you know, Reading probably have to realise they've probably got I don't know fifty to one, hundred to one shot to win that game, but it can it can be won. Um, you know, I think they've got to take they've got to take this weekend's results. You know, they they were probably expecting to be down by now after yesterday. And it didn't happen. So they've got one golden chance to try and stay in the league. So that's got to be all the motivation they need. They've got one chance, one cup final now. And, you know, I'm I'm not convinced that Leicester will go and beat, you know, a, a much improved Brighton side as well. So, you know, yeah, they've got to they've they've got to just grasp at the one chance that they've got and make sure that they put absolutely everything on the line, you know, because ultimately it's their careers, it's the, the club's league status, you know, everything's there for them to fight for. I can see it now. Chelsea lose at Reading and United only draw at Liverpool and they'll be like, oh my God, what have we done? <laughs> what have we done? Um, but yeah, so stay tuned. I'm hoping to be there at Prenton Park on Saturday to see it all unfold. Uh, looking at the bottom, as we mentioned, Reading do live to fight another day as Leicester lost at home to West Ham. 
Sophie Howard put into her own net to give West Ham the lead and Dangy Rangier's Dotty had doubled the lead on the hour. On all Manchester City defender Ruby Mace received a second yellow card in stoppage time before Hannah Kane's penalty in the ninth minute of stoppage time was too little, too late. And Brighton stayed up despite losing at Everton. Catches Snoyles on a score sheet once again as she opened the scoring. Katie Robinson equalised on the stroke of half time. And Hannah Benison's stoppage time winner gave Everton all three points. So uh, let's start off with Brighton, Dan. Hats off to them for staying up. It, it did always feel like they had too much quality to go down, didn't it? They got the right coach in the end, I think. I think that was the difference. I think they brought Mel in and, you know, from a tactical point of view, she's really, really good. Um, but I, I think, I, to be fair, they went to see, went into the season too short. I think they didn't have a good summer transfer window. You know, they got punished for that. Um, Hope left. They brought in a manager who didn't really settle in England, I think, in the end shirt. And then, you know, obviously he moved on. They brought Mel in and Mel was the right person at the right time. Um, you know, really exciting young coach to to pull things around. So, yeah, I think as soon as they signed Mel, I thought that they'd stay up. She's obviously got the job done and I think it'll be quite exciting next year. I think the club need to back her to bring in the players she wants to bring in. And, yeah, I think we'll be talking about Brighton being a really, really exciting side next year. And Hannah, you were at that Leicester game. Of course, they lost and they, they just need to get a point at Brighton, I think. Uh, and that should be enough for them. Um, but what was the feeling around the stadium yesterday? Is there still that confidence? Um, I, I wouldn't say confidence. I, th I think there, there's a little bit of anxiety, I think. I mean, a lot of the crowd were getting quite agitated with the referee in particular and and West Ham's time wasting I think that kind of the frustration very much transpired onto the pitch and I think particularly late on Leicester were forcing it a little bit um, and Willie Kirk mentioned post-match that maybe felt the occasion might have got to them a little bit in the sense that they were that close to just getting the job done and securing safety which is a little bit of a shock because he's been talking a lot about how well they have been coping under pressure and when that pressure's put on them, they tend to respond quite well. I just don't quite know what what went wrong yesterday. I mean, they, they were dominant, dominated possession. I think West Ham only had a handful of chances compared to Leicester's like 23 over 20. Um, so in, in it was a pretty one-sided game. I just think there was that little lack of quality in the final third from Leicester that I mean Mackenzie Arnold had a good good game for West Ham made a couple of decent stops but other than that it was sort of like half chances tame shots shots that flew miles off target so that was really really disappointing um in that respect because there's no guarantees and they could have they could have done it and and ultimately they haven't so um extreme frustration I think they they'll be confident in the fact that Reading had the far more difficult game but obviously they can't rely on that and Willie Kirk made a point post-match actually to say that he hopes people who talking about Leicester's success rather than Reading's sort of downfall if that makes sense and as to why they might potentially stay up next weekend so they will be determined to get the job done against Brighton Um, they absolutely have to they have their own points target internally that they want to reach and, and beat in Brighton is the way that they will do that. So um, even if they do stay up but still lose to Brighton, there probably will still be a sense of disappointment. And it was just a shame um, for Ruby Mace especially to end her lone spell at Leicester in that way. I think she's been a key player for them um, in the second half of the season since she came in on loan. Um, I've really enjoyed watching her. I think she's a fantastic young talent, but inexperience probably showed a little bit yesterday um, when she picked up that second booking. So it'll be a real blow for, for Leicester not to have her in, in the squad for probably the biggest game of the season for them. Um, but they'll, they'll have ways around it. It's just probably a, a disappointing way for her to end her loan spell. I know we mentioned it earlier, Dan, you said it's not a foregone conclusion that, that Leicester will get anything at Brighton, so I suppose it depends on what, what Reading do, really. Reading will have one eye on that, hoping they can get something. Leicester, they'll be a bit nervous because they'll probably just be going into play not to lose, won't they? Um, 
I'm not sure. I think I think they should go in to win at Brighton. I think Brighton have shown that defensively, you know, what they had this year, one clean sheet or something like that. So the goals are there if they want them. Uh, but equally, Brighton are a real threat going forward. So, you know, it could be a roller coaster game down there, I would have thought, next weekend. It could be a 2-2 or a 3-2 or something like that. Um, for Reading, they just need to stay in the game. You know, don't go 20 minutes in and find yourselves 1-0, 2-0 down. Stay in the game. Um, as I say, fight, try and play tactically, you know, to, to get the better of Chelsea and make it difficult, um, you know, and see, and see if they can find the goal. But, yeah, I mean, Leicester's obviously the favourites, but um, I wouldn't like to think that I was going to Brighton just wanting the point, that's for sure. At Villa Park, it was a real end-of-season thriller for two sides with nothing really to play for. It ended in a 3-3 draw. Villa scored first through Kirsty Hansen before goals from Katie Stengel and Natasha Dowie turned the fixture around. Rachel Daly levelled again for Village for half-time, only for Stengel to restore Liverpool's lead in the 62nd minute, but Hansen scored again to secure that 3-3 draw. Uh, that was on 70 minutes. Uh, the host pushed for a winner late on. Uh, Rachel Daly, she is now on 21 WSL goals for the season. And Remy Island also missed good chances in the final moments. So that result confirmed Villa's fifth place finish in their final home match of a very impressive WSL campaign. Liverpool stays seventh and have now gone an entire WSL season without recording an away victory. Um couple of questions for you both. Villa obviously be looking to push on again next season and challenge the teams above them. And a decent season for Liverpool, despite not having an away win this season. Yeah, I mean, Villa, what, what a season for Carla Ward, who continues to prove herself as one of the best up-and-coming managers in the country. Um, you know, the, the recruitment's been absolutely spot on. They've, they've pushed forward, they signed international players and not just international players, they're signing quality internationals, world-class, you know, when you're looking at the likes of Rachel Daly as well, you know, they're, they're putting the necks on the line, which is what you want to see. They're taking risks that, you know, financially they're putting money in um, to be successful. So hopefully that continues, you know, looking at the last two transfer one, uh, windows, I think fans should be quite excited this summer as well. Um, but it's they're at that challenge point now where the likes of Spurs and, you know, maybe United, Everton have maybe been in the last few years, whereas, you know, you're finishing in a strong position. How do you then kick on to then, you know, potentially become part of the top four or make it into a top five? Um, so it'll be fascinating to see. But yeah, what a season, what a season Villa have had. Um, Liverpool, you know, mid-table, first season back in the in the Super League, I think is more than respectable. I think if you see clubs who've come up in recent years, Obviously, Leicester was struggling last year. I think Villa the first year needed a draw on the final day or something like that when they were in the league for the first time. So it's by no means an easy task when a club comes up and Bristol City will find that as well next year. So, um, you know, Liverpool should, I mean, they've got a good squad. They've signed good players. So, um, you know, I think when you look at where they're going to finish, they've had a, a really good season for them. The battle to, to, to reach the championship took place at Stadium NK on Saturday. The champions of the North, Nottingham Forest against Watford. Uh, Forest had beaten Watford in the League Cup a month earlier after extra time. And Hannah, you would have to see Watford win. Yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it was a pretty weird game to be at, I think, given that you sort of go in there knowing that that will be the last time that that fixture's sort of ever played because you know about time. Um, they're changing the structure to to the way that promotion from the national league to the championship works. I think that's been a long time coming, and, and I'm quite happy that common sense seems to have prevailed there because from Forest's perspective, I, they'll be extremely extremely disappointing to have, have won the league and and not not go up as as Wolves learned themselves last season. So that automatic promotion next season will be massive. But but Watford were deserving on it of it on the day. I thought on the balance of play they were probably the better team. I think Forrest had more than enough opportunities to to get an equaliser. Um I thought they they did have a, a very good game and it was sort of on a knife edge for pretty much the entirety of it, I think. Um so it, it was a heartbreaking end to what has been a fantastic season for Forest, but ultimately, from Watford's perspective, absolutely massive for them to to have bounced back up at the first time of asking. That's definitely no no easy task. So, you know, fair play to them. Um, 
So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that sort of dynamic in the National League changes over the next sort of season, given that it's automatic promotion now because both the Northern and Southern League are, are extremely strong. Watford, they're um, they're going to go back into the Championship a lot stronger than they were when they came out of it. Um, they need to spend. They need to spend, or they'll be straight back down. I think that's my that would be my message straight away. Um, they've got Bianca Baptiste this time, who's a really great striker. So if they can keep hold of her for next season, and you know she gets the goal trail, then you know they're, they're certainly sharper in attack than what they were two years ago. Um, before we start the podcast, I caught up with Watford striker Helen Ward, for whom this game was the last of her professional career. So Helen, uh, what a way to finish your career! Just the perfect ending, I suppose. Yeah, it was, and you know, at the start of the season when I had a an idea that it would probably be my last. Obviously, the goal for the team and the club was to bounce straight back up after the disappointment of of relegation this time last year. Um, and we always believed that we could do it, um, but it's not till it happens that it really sinks in, and you know, it feels so good. But yeah, perfect way for me to finish on a personal note, but even more so, a perfect way for the club to end the season. Yeah. Like you say, you were clearing your mind that you were probably going to retire early on in the season and, and to finish at the club that you support as well must have been really good. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, I obviously started my career here too, so it's come full circle um, and playing with the likes of Gemma Davison, who was also here my first time round, sort of ending it on a on such a high with her is is it's just, as I said, I couldn't ask for any more and the club have been amazing for me since I came back, you know, having had had the two little ones and the support they've given me on and off the pitch has been sensational. And, you know, I'm just thankful that I could play my part in helping get us back to where I believe we belong. Yeah, it was a dramatic old couple of weeks, though, wasn't it? I mean, I think you were third going into the last, was it the last game of the season you were third? And and you had to win and Ipswich and Oxford slip up and you, you did it on goal difference in the end. So you got in in a really dramatic way and, and then you sealed it against a really good Nottingham Forest side. Yeah, I mean, the top three teams were all sort of changing throughout the season. Um, there was always one of us that had games in hand. So the table didn't always look like truly reflect how things were going. And, you know, Portsmouth were up there right till quite near the end as well. So you've got to give them credit. It's been a really, really good league at, at this level, you know, both in the North and the South. And from my point of view, I'm obviously a bit biased, but I think the best teams were in the final um, mm. from what I've seen. Obviously, we played against Wolves, who are a great side as well. We played them uh, in the in the semi final of the League Cup, so we've had a little bit of experience against a couple of the better teams in in that division. But for me, I think the best two teams were in the final. It's just obviously I'm bitterly disappointed for Forest from their point of view because to do all that hard work and have the success they've had and and not be promoted is is gutting. But you know that all changes next season, so hopefully they go and you know prove themselves once again. But yeah, it's been a it's been a whirlwind of a few weeks. All the chopping and changing in the league, coming back from behind against Oxford at the game at, at Vicarage Road, which really put us back into the title race. You know, if we lost that, that was all done done there and then. So to take it to the final game, we knew things had to go our way elsewhere, but we did our job on the pitch. That was the main focus, and yeah, thankfully it all worked out for us, and we've we've been able to have a couple of good nights celebrating. That's for sure. <laughs> absolutely I mean did it help as well I think you went into that last game of the season knowing what you had to do because I think had Oxford played all the games already uh, no we we our game got moved to, to them because they had to fit in the Ipswich game at a later date so the season mm. got extended um, they'd had a game the weekend before after they played us so then they'd caught up and then it was yeah just all on that last day um, and obviously them having to go to Ipswich for another sort of twist into it because Ipswich were in contention themselves. So it was good though, as you know, for the neutral having so much drama and three teams all with something to play for on that final day. Um, it's what you want to see in, in football. You don't want to see runaway leaders. You want to see a bit of excitement. And I think this level has got, it's, it's improved unbelievably um, in the last few years. And there's some, some really good clubs and really good teams and players um, both in the North and the South. Um, and I think it's going to provide some really entertaining football for many, many years to come. And, and how's it been playing at Vicarage Road this season? Yeah, we love it there. Obviously, we played quite a few games there in the Championship and it wasn't quite as successful for us as we'd hoped it would be. It's it's an amazing pitch. It's a great surface and you know teams come there and they want to play there as well. But 
you know, as as the home team, you've got to make it your home. And we struggled with that in the early parts of last season, but we got to grips with it. And this year we very much made it our home and we played a couple of games there towards the back end of the season and had two fantastic results. We had brilliant crowds, over a thousand at each of those games at Vicarage Road. And we're always obviously grateful for the opportunity to play there. And hopefully that will happen more and more in the future. But it is certainly where we feel at home. Um, and we know the fans love it there too because it, you know, it's it's not out of their routine for when they come to men's games and it makes it makes it easier for them to get to. So yeah, the more games we can play there would be fantastic. But yeah, super place and as I said, we've we've really made it our home. And and you mentioned about obviously the the, the structure that's changing for next year. And again, it's another sort of legacy of the women's game moving forward, isn't it? Both the North and the South champions will be promoted next year. Yeah, I think it's been a long time coming. Um, I think it's probably one of the only leagues, if not the only league in football in this country where you can win your league and and not, not go up. I know obviously there's lots of things with meeting criteria and things like that, but yeah, there's not many divisions where you have to then go and play a playoff to get promoted. Um, so I'm glad that they've done away with it. Of course, it's it's dramatic and it's great again for a neutral. It's It's something that's exciting, but... For me, if you win the league, you should be rewarded with with everything that comes with that. Um, so I'm glad that's changed. I think there's still now potential to to expand both the championship and the WSL further. Um, and I hope that that's conversation that's going on. I know there's a lot of people calling for it as well, because as I said, there are a lot of clubs that are ready to take that step up, whether it's into the WSL or to to the championship. There's a lot of teams that are ready to ready to make that jump, and I think it's important we don't hold clubs back at this point. Um, the game's growing. I know we don't want to run before we can walk, but I think um, it won't be too long until we see the the expansion, hopefully. And I think that'll be a really good thing for for every level of the game. Yeah, and in terms of Watford, then into the championship, they didn't have a good experience last season, but they bounced back after after one season. What what experience do you think they'll take from that into the forthcoming season? Yeah, I think it's not just stuff on the pitch. I think it's off the pitch as well, the infrastructure and everything and how everything's set up. I think going into the championship last time around, it was off the back of upward movement and that decision didn't come until I think it was the 1st or 2nd of June that year, which is quite late on. And, you know, that's nobody's fault. That is what it is and it's not an excuse. But I felt that we were a little bit behind in preparations and that maybe affected how we started the season. Um but it's up to the players and the staff and those that can control things on the pitch to handle those sorts of situations. And, that, you know, if it's out of your control, you, you can't spend too much dwelling on it or worrying about it or using it as, as an excuse. So there would definitely be lessons that, that were learned from that point of view. Um, but I think almost the relegation could be a, a blessing in, the dis- in disguise because I think we've changed a lot of things. We've adapted a new style of play, brought in some new players who have come in and contributed hugely this season, but they've all got championship experience or above. Um, and I think that will stand them in really good stead uh, going into the games next year. But lots of work to do in the meantime. I think everyone will enjoy a week or two celebrating and having time off with friends and family. But the real work will start fairly soon and, and people get into championship mode and, and preparing for what's going to be a really tough season, especially with two teams going down now. Um, you know, there's a lot on it and, and teams are more and more teams now are making that transition towards full-time football and you know it's up to Watford now to to catch up and you know make sure that they're ready to attack the the season as, as in as best shape as possible and it, it did make me smile an interview that you gave in the lead up to the final about you going to Vicarage Road and and, and seeing your head there when you're walking amongst <laughs> all, all the legends I mean that must be a bit surreal for you it's mad yeah um it's one of the many things the club have done for me which I, I'll always be grateful for um they're it's it's a superb club. It's the heart of the community, and you know to have a place there personally on the wall amongst the likes of Graham Taylor, Luther Blissett, Elton John. I mean, you say those names, it seems mental that I'm <laughs> I'm alongside them, and I would never put myself up there with them in terms of their legendary status. But for the club to to feel I'm deserving of something so amazing is is incredible. And the family and I went to see it all together a couple of weeks ago, and it was a, a really special moment. But Thankfully, I enter the ground at the other end um, to go and watch the boys play so I don't have to walk past it every time. But um, yeah, it's nice to know that it's there and, you know, that the club thinks so highly of me. 
what's the highlight been a highlight of your career then would you say it's so difficult I mean right now I can't think of anything other than the the win on Saturday but of course there have been so many moments along the years you know back in 2007 when we won promotion to the the National Premier League which is obviously the equivalent of the WSL now that was an incredible moment uh, my international career there's been so many wonderful highs during that time some of the goals I've scored have been have been brilliant but uh, it's impossible to pick just one out um, but there's been several dotted along the way that I think when I sit back and you know reflect on things over the next few weeks um, you know I'll look back with immense pride and a, and a huge smile on my face. Uh, and what's next for Helen Ward then? Um, having a little bit of a chill out I think uh, <laughs> having a bit of time off spending time with the kids and the family but yeah there's a few things I've got my eye on um, I'll be having some some conversations with the club in the next few weeks I think about a potential role off the pitch but how that shapes up I'm not entirely sure just yet but I'd like to stay involved in some way if that's possible um, similarly with the FAW as well I've got a couple of conversations lined up with them um, because they're both places that mean an absolute you know, they mean the world to me um, and I'd love to be able to keep contributing in some way if I can to both organisations and then hopefully doing some media stuff. Um, I've enjoyed my experiences so far in the punditry world, so I'm hoping that I can maybe pick up another opportunity or two doing that as well and, yeah, stay within the game, keep myself involved, watching it, you know, being part of it in that way because um, football's all I know, so there's no way I can walk away from it that's it, that easily. Real Helen, well, uh, congratulations on your great career and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, last week we mentioned about how it was going to go down to the wire in Scotland. So here to tell us all about it is friend of the podcast. He works for the National and the Scotsman, but also he works for Glasgow City on match days. It is Graham Falk. Hello, Graham. How are you doing? You all right? Very well. Uh, not as well as you, I'm guessing. Uh, a dramatic day in the title race, but ultimately Glasgow City won another title. Yeah, um, obviously I'm buzzing. I'm a Glasgow City fan. I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to volunteer with them on a weekend when I'm not um, writing about WSL stuff. And uh, just I think the way it happened was brilliant as well. Like, I think, you know, I'm, I'm here with a, with a couple of the, I was with a couple of the media guys last night and obviously with one at the moment who's still typing stuff up about this morning, putting some content out and, um, we just keep watching stuff back. And I think the best thing about it is I think we were always going to watch stuff back from ourselves because we're all Glasgow City fans and obviously we all have a vested interest. But I think there's people who might have never watched women's football before who were in, in Scotland who were tweeting about it and talking about it. And it was just so dramatic. I mean, you can't get more dramatic than a 90-second minute winner. And if, and if anyone wants to see my reaction to the last sort of four minutes of injury time, the last two minutes of injury time after we score, I put a video on my... Uh, on my Twitter page of all my reactions where I'm basically kicking every ball and going through every motion under the sun. I'm just thankful that none of that motion was wasted and now I can uh, just smile and have a have a good day, I think, as a, as a Glasgow City fan. Did he feel it's more satisfying because in the past it's been quite comfortable, but they've been really pushed to the wire this year? I think there's a few times. I mean, before obviously I was with Glasgow City, I would keep an eye on Glasgow City when I wasn't part of it as a, a volunteer. And I think... There's a few times where City have been pushed, I think, further than people actually think. But obviously, um, this year has just been a great title race from a perspective of there's been three teams going for it right until the final day and anyone could win it. Two of the teams are playing together. I mean, for the neutral, it must have been amazing. I've got to be honest, as a fan of one of the clubs, and so now obviously I give up my time on the weekend for one of those clubs because I'm a fan. It, uh, you'd like it to be more comfortable, but <laughs> you'd, you'd like to be you know eight points clear going into the final day. But I think... The way it was won was just, you can't have a sweeter win, I think, than a 92nd minute winner to win you the title. And, and obviously, Lauren's scoring the goal as well. She's she scored, I think, 31 goals this season. Um, so it kind of it tops it off, doesn't it? It's I think any title win's sweet, but obviously that feels very sweet because you're, you're a few minutes away from, from not winning it. And obviously, as they said on Sky Sports, the taxi was turning around and all that. So I think they called it Taxi Sunday, they coined it, which is a... Relatively hilarious, but um, yeah, great, just a great day to be part of. And I think ultimately, when people look back and you know we've seen how far the WSL has grown and how far women's football's grown in, in in England, when you look at how it's going to grow in Scotland, I think this will be one of the, the pivotal moments. I'm just um, obviously as a Glasgow City fan, delighted it was it was us that won it. 
Yeah, I bet the taxi driver was glad he had the meter running, didn't he? Driving back and forth around Glasgow. <laughs> it didn't look like an Uber. I'll put it that way. I think it was a. I think it was a black cab. So um, yeah, I think he, he should left the, the meter going. I think and hopefully set up a little bit early and got his uh, got his Sunday takings in, mate. The fact he was at Ibrox as well. I'm guessing it was good to see a good crowd there as well. Great. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, a few weeks previously, we had the disappointment of, of losing to Celtic as well at um, Celtic Park, and I think the the one it's harder. Like I say, I'm I'm a fan, but obviously, when you volunteer your time and stuff like that, you you are even more invested sometimes, and it's sometimes hard to switch off the disappointment and and look at um like the grand scheme of things because ultimately, you know, you want to win and you want to see your team win. But like Celtic Park a few weeks previous was amazing as well, and. I think the attendance at Celtic Park yesterday also was was massive, and you look at the attendance at Ibrox, and um, I've been to, I've been to see Rangers women in in Europe this season, I think against Benfica because that was at Ibrox as well, and obviously it's about supporting all aspects of of women's football across the board, not just you know the the, the three teams at the top, the likes of Hearts playing at um, Tyne Castle, and and obviously Hamilton play their games at New Douglas Park, and there's all those teams in that league that. That, that do play the games that you can get down to. But um, I'd obviously been down to see Rangers in a Champions League game against Benfica, which was a great game, a really good spectacle. But you had 4,000 there and you thought, wow, 4,000. Last year was Hibs Hearts, but the record I think was 6,000 anything. And wow. And within the space of like 10 to 14 days, you've broke the record, broke the record, and then broke the record again. Um, which was people are interested in. Look, it might be the, the first time their fans have gone to see a, a women's game or a SWPL game. And I understand there'll be people at that game that had never been to a game before but like when you have that kind of drama and I include the you know the game that Celtic played against us for a Celtic fan that must have been amazing if that's your first women's game you must have had loads of fun with it and it must have been great and it might make you want to go back and I think um you know I'm delighted Glasgow City are the actual winners for really really obvious reasons but I think um the real winner this season across the board is probably the the attendances that we're seeing sort of in Scotland when there's a lot of focus on the WSL which is also amazing um, it's also nice to see Scotland is, is starting to garner those crowds and get a passionate fan base because I don't think Scotland do things in half measures. Um, I think you're either going to be there and full full blooded uh, with your passion towards your team, or or, or you're not going to go. Um, and the Celtic fans were great the other week when when they won three one against ourselves, and Rangers fans were great yesterday, and obviously the Celtic fans were great yesterday. But I'm very biased. The Glasgow City fans are, are the best ones for me. Yeah, it's great you've got that th- the three team thing in Glasgow as well, all all strong. Um, I suppose the worry is that some WSL clubs will come calling and and take some of the best players from Rangers, Celtic, Glasgow, Hearts, Hibs. I mean, when you look at um, historically, you know, players uh, do move. It does happen. Um, but at the same time, players have come to Scotland, and Scotland's a great place to play football at the moment. You know, you you look at um, the player of the year who plays for. Pistol Glasgow City for CH and Cheer, um, outstanding footballer like Costrigan International, one of like the the best young players to playing around in Europe and, and obviously further afield. She's she's came from afar. You look at the other players we've got at Glasgow City at the moment as well. Obviously Bayers came over from um from I was gonna say Valencia, then I'd be completely wrong because that's Sevilla, she'll tell me off for that. Uh she came from Sevilla, obviously. You've got the likes of Lee Gibson, who's been one of the, the country's best um for like multiple seasons, she's been with Glasgow City. I think she's veering into a decade. The same goes for Haley Lodo. And then, you know, you look at Rangers and they've they've brought along uh, Yenny Danielson this season, who's obviously came from um, a Finland international. She was one of the better players for them within the Euros. So, you know, no, not necessarily. I think, you know, the Scottish League's grown as well and, and you can see the, the height it's getting. And just to kind of go back to the question you had before, when you talk about um, how far the Scottish game's grown, players see that. And I think... Um, it's a great place to play football at the moment and it's a great place to be. So um, I think if anything, you know, what people are seeing over the, this week, it's going to entice people to come to Scotland, stay in Scotland and enjoy playing in the Scottish leagues. Yeah. And it's getting exposure, of course, on BBC Alba and, and Sky Sports as well, which can only be a good thing. Graham, thanks for joining us and enjoy the celebrations. I promise you, I promise you I'm going to do that. <laughs> Graham Fault there. And over in Europe, Leon are champions once again. Last weekend, closest rivals PSG could only draw 0-0 in the Paris derby, which meant Leon had one and a half hands on the trophy. And the big two met this weekend with Leon winning 1-0 in Paris thanks to an 88th minute goal from Signia Bruna. And that extended their lead to the Parisians over, over the... 
that extended their lead over the Parisians to six points. In Spain, Barcelona, as we know, won the title easily, although they lost a league match for the first time since June 2021 at the weekend. They lost to fifth place Madrid, CFF. And in Italy, Roma wrapped up the regular season in good time. They are currently 16 points clear of Juventus after the playoff games, having wrapped up the regular season with an eight-point gap, so they've actually extended that lead during the playoffs. Germany is really similar to the WSL, where the title will go to the last game. Bayern have a two-point lead. They could have won the title this weekend, but could only draw 0-0 away at Bayer Leverkusen, with Wolfsburg winning a dramatic game away at SV Mepham as they came from behind twice to a level. And then Alex Pops got a 95th minute winner to take it to the last day. Bayern should have no problems though this coming weekend. They're at home to bottom side Turbine Potsdam with Wolfsburg hosting Freiburg. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast via all good podcasting platforms and give us a follow on Twitter at TWFP1 and on Instagram, it's the Women's Football Podcast. And just a quick thank you as well to say, Thank you to everyone who voted for us in the On Her Side Awards. We finished runners-up in the end, but considering some of the podcasts we're up against, it was a very, very good moment for us. So thank you to everyone who voted. Have a great week, everyone.